The 2023 NFL Draft is in the books. The punter pick in the sixth round was made. And finally, we got some skill guys to talk about. A lot of them, in fact. We'll wrap up day three of the Bengals draft class on today's episode. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're going to wrap up the Bengals 2023 NFL Draft today on this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can subscribe on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast. Become an everydayer as we get into the offseason. Plenty of great stuff to talk about with new rookies arriving in Cincinnati can become a first listener. Make us your first listen of the day. Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. And if you would like to run your own draft room, this is the game for you. You can download it at ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores. That's Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. James, let's dive into day three of the Cincinnati Bengals 2023 draft class. One very clear theme through the first three picks of the day, at least all of them offensive skill players, all of them players whose primary job is to move the ball closer to and into the end zone. Charlie Jones, Chase Brown, and Andre Yoshivas. Do I have that right? Yeah, look at you. It's pretty good. That, that caught me off guard. Name guy who gets names wrong, Yoshivas. Athletes is the trend. Yeah. athletes throughout this draft jordan battle being the exception in terms of his tested athleticism in the third round but coming into the top part of day three athlete and charlie jones athlete and chase brown athlete and andre yoshivas yeah and what happened was see what had happened was the <laughs> bengals let me get a hold of their draft board and i put the skill guys at the top and I said, Mike, I am sick of defense. You guys and Duke. And, and so I got to rearrange it kind of like the Grinch did on Christmas. And so that's how they ended up with three skill guys. No, in, in all seriousness, I, I think that this kind of played out the way they, they had wanted. And, and specifically on day three, I think they knew that that was potentially the sweet spot for some of these offensive players. Was there a path to – uh, an offensive player in round one, of course, there were guys on their board. Dalton Kincaid, uh, you know, certainly Jameer Gibbs, guys like that. But this was the most likely scenario where you get to round four and you get the guy th that you like. And Charlie Jones, I don't know about you, Jake. Let's just focus on him for a second. I look at his game. You got the 4-4-3 speed, 110 catches, played in that pro-style offense at Purdue. His returnability is a punt returner and a kick returner. He's, he's not just fast, but he's quick. I think he can play inside, certainly can play outside. That's what he did at, uh, at Purdue. I think he can contribute right away on special teams, of course, as a returner. Gives him some juice there. I think at punt returner, Trent Taylor's on notice, officially. And in kickoff returner, does it matter as much? No, I, I think there are other guys that can do it if you don't want to use him there. But punt returner is certainly interesting for him. 
And then that wide receiver room, we, we've brought up Kansas City and losing Tyler Boyd and, and what it was like watching Trenton Irwin and, and Hayden Hurst and guys like that that can't get open one-on-one. This guy can get open one-on-one. He's, he's comfortable doing it. He's good at the back shoulder. The, the back shoulder catch against DJ Turner got some, some love and hate on Twitter. It's a heck of a play. And, uh, and so, yeah, he's, he's a really, really good football player. So I like what he adds year one, and I like what he can add year uh, you know, long-term in that room. The two knocks on him, size, he's 175, so we're going to get him on that built bar plan, Jake. And then the other part of it, the lifting plan too. We'll, we'll start benching and stuff, Charlie. We've got you. And, and the other part is just his age, you know, 24 and a half years old. But outside of that, there's a, real, a lot, a lot to like about him. Chuck Sizzle, the nickname Ooh. for Charlie it, Jones. Is that real or did you just make that up? I, I believe that's real. That, that's oh. a real thing. Chuck Sizzle? We, right, we, well, we have some notes in the draft sheet on some of the wide receivers, and the note on Charlie Jones' nickname is Chuck Sizzle. Oh. Well, we might have to work on that one, unless he really likes it. But uh... what, What's not to like, James? That's a huge point in his favor. Look, if you look at Charlie Jones as a draft prospect and you ignore the age thing, this is a pick that you could see coming from miles away. When you brought this up last night, and credit to you, you were on this last night after day two of the draft, so I hope everybody saw that episode. You would have known this was coming or a possibility if you mm-hmm. had heard James bring this guy up. You throw out the age thing, he fits the Bengals in most ways, but the Bengals break their trend at receiver, and they do it on day three, to be fair, in a down receiver class, to be fair, of really targeting guys with early production. They like guys that are going out there at 19 years old, like Jamar Chase, and running through the SEC. Charlie Jones was a red shirt his first year. He had to walk on at Purdue. He had a, a, a year loss to transferring when he lost transfer eligibility for that transfer. He started at Buffalo, I believe, and eventually earned a scholarship. Took him a while, took him until last year, and he was finally a full-time starter. And at like 24 years old, which is very old for the college game in, in defense's defense that had to try to play against Charlie Jones, he was dominant. Mm-hmm. He was really good. And he was winning down the field. He was winning in the middle of the field. There, there are a few different highlights you can tweet about Charlie Jones. Unafraid at his size. You talk about size as a knock. He's, he's willing to go over the middle, fight for the ball in the air, and was incredibly productive in that Purdue offense. And the Bengals love productivity and athleticism at wide receiver, mm-hmm. even though Tyler Boyd and, and T. Higgins are exceptions. They were both very, very young where these guys aren't as young and, and we're focused on, on Charlie Jones right now that the production is there. It's just later. Right. Mm-hmm. And the athleticism is there for him. And that back shoulder highlight that I tweeted, James, I mean, that looks so in place for a yeah. fit with the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Yeah. And he has a slot experience too. People are projecting him as a slot. He might have to move inside in the NFL. He might not. Has experience playing inside and outside a wide receiver in the college ranks. And like you said, I think the return experience is a big one in his favor as well. Yeah. he's Look, he's explosive. He's quick. He's uh, all of the things you're looking for. He's got. And, and I think he's going to be able to do a little bit of both. And now, if you have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, where do you play mostly? You're going to be in the slot, Charlie. I, I and I think he's he's ready to do it, but uh, man, I, I just look 
110 catches, 1,361 yards, 12 and a half yards um, per catch, 12 touchdowns last year. They tried to get him the ball. He he was able to to take it, run with it, and, and make big plays. So uh, I love his game. You know, uh, you, you said what, Chuck Sizzle? Uh, you know, maybe we call him Charlie Edelman or Charlie Welker. Uh, I made that joke on Twitter. Some liked it, some didn't. But uh, he's uh, he's a lot of fun. And I think guys like this that are really great route runners that know the entire route tree that have been featured in college offenses, they come in and a guy like Joe Burrow just says, ooh, that guy works. Like, I don't think it's going to take long. I think it's going to take Burrow like one throwing session. And he's going to be like, I'm a fan of Charlie Jones. Like it's, And he's going to go, okay, here we go. And, and, and suddenly you have another piece, which is a lot of fun because of the back shoulders, because of the, the different timing patterns, and the fact that the Bengals' offense got more athletic. I wanted them to get more athletic, and they did with this pick, and they did with a guy who, unlike Yoshivas, is not a project. I think he's as close to a plug-and-play fourth-rounder, especially in this draft, as you're going to get at the receiver position. I think the career drop rate reflects that as well in terms of a guy that's going to be reliable. 111 catches, 3.9% career drop rate. One of the best in this class. That's one of the things that I pointed out about Parker Washington as well, but his was even a little bit higher, 5.2% career drop rate for Parker Washington, who went a little bit later in the draft. One of, if not the best, oh, there's one better. A guy named Kieris Jackson was a little bit better in terms of career drop rate out of all the guys in the sheet. But a really strong data point there for Charlie Jones. And, and the other thing you mentioned, James, that I just wanted to touch on before we move on to, to the rest of the guys the Bengals picked on uh, Saturday is I think the versatility is going to play up for him. I think his ability to play outside means that when he goes onto the field, Jamar Chase can line up anywhere. T. Higgins can line up anywhere. And while Tyler Boyd can certainly play outside, Charlie Jones, very, very experienced playing outside, has the athleticism to play outside if he needs to. And so I think it does give them, when they have to rotate at receiver, a little bit more versatility. They're not telling you who's going where. They're not pigeonholing anybody into playing certain positions if Charlie Jones gets on the field and very well could be wide receiver four right away. Coming up next, the Bengals also add... A running back we need to talk about. The running back pick finally came. The tight end pick did not. We'll talk about that as well as a wide receiver in the double dip at wide receiver. Not necessarily a position we were sure they were going to double dip at, James. So we'll talk about that coming up next. Today's episode of Locked on Bengals brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. The draft is over. Maybe you've got draft fever and you just want to keep drafting. Well, Ultimate Football GM is the game for you if you think you'd make a good NFL GM. And a big part of that, of course, is building your team through the NFL draft. And whether you want to go against the grain or make chalk picks and do what's expected of you, you can make those choices in Ultimate Football GM. In addition to setting the scheme preferences for your team, navigating free agency, fire your coach if it's not working. All the power is yours. You don't like your coach running the ball on second and 10? Well, you have the power to change that and get a coach more like Zach Taylor, who is among the league leaders in not running the ball on second and 10. You can check it out at ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores and locked on Bengals listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise using promo code locked on in all caps. That's ultimate-gm.com. Start your dynasty today. 
Today's show also brought to you by Schultz and Sons. Yes, Schultz and Sons, AGS certified local Bengals fans that know their jewelry. Uh, only 5% of jewelry stores, by the way, are AGS certified. And, well, Schultz and Sons, they are not only that, but they are your one-stop shop for all things jewelry. Whether it's custom pieces, whether you're looking for that right piece for her and you don't know what you're looking for and you need some guidance, well, they can help you and give you that guidance. And look, I- I've met Matt. He's a huge Bengals fan. I've hung out with Matt. He is um, a-, a really personable guy that's going to be able to give you the guidance you need to find that special piece, right? To find that special draft jewelry pick, uh, per se. And so whether it's creating your own piece of jewelry and a custom piece or getting the right design that they have in store for you, which you can check out their store at 2202 Dixie Highway in Fort Mitchell, five minutes from the bridge into Kentucky. Make sure you stop by, tell them that Locked on Bengals sent you. They're a Cincinnati tradition. They've been celebrating quality jewelry and providing people with quality jewelry in the Cincinnati area for over 50 years. So check them out online at schulzdiamonds.com, schultzdiamonds.com. Remember, when it has to be perfect, it has to be Schultz and Sons. Chase Brown, the running back selection for the Cincinnati Bengals at the end of the fifth round. This is about where he was projected to go, but if you look at different consensus boards, Bengals did well with their first six picks or so of, of identifying value. We'll talk about how the picks lined up with consensus, maybe a little bit more tomorrow when we take a broader look at the draft and kind of look back on the class on its whole. But let's focus in on Chase Brown. What theme is continued here? Well, I said it at the top of the show, and it continues here, athleticism. Mm-hmm. 98th percentile RAS, which is a relative athletic score, Kentley Platt. Pratt? Platt? Platt. Kent Lee Platt puts together. And there you go. Bomb. He screwed up. He, he got Yoshivas right, but Platt, nope, can't do it. That was a, that was a memory issue. Woo. Woo. Either way, <laughs> by far the highest uh, highest graded available running back on the Joe Goodberry, Jake Lisko, uh, Michael Santagata, et cetera, J- draft guy Jared Neal, all the guys that put work Jesus. into the draft sheet. <laughs> Shouting out all of them here at the end of the draft because a lot of people work on this. Um, was was by far the highest grade available at the position. And a lot of that is because he was very, very productive, very, very athletic. Yeah. And what did we talk about the Bengals wanting to get at this position is is juice. I mean, that that's what drew you to Israel Abanacanda, right? That the breakaway speed, the long speed. And, and Abanacanda ran a 4-4-4-40. Guess what Chase Brown ran? A four four three. Yep. So there's your speed. Well, no doubt. There's your speed. And uh a birdie told me that he's ran sub four four before. So it, even more speedy th- than what we have on on tap. But speed and production, man. You you signed me up. I mean, I, I think a reason Chase Brown probably does fall is because of all the carries. It, it's six hundred and seventy six career carries, over seven hundred total career touches. But I asked I actually asked Brian Callahan this and, and running backs coach Justin Hill, because if you're the Bengals, one, it's a fifth round pick. And I didn't come out and say it like that. But like, who cares if he's got tread on his tires? Is he experienced and ready to go? And I I think he is. I mean, I think he could contribute right away and be that 
that type of guy where he helps you on passing downs if you need him to. And certainly as a, a quality runner, he described himself as a patient runner and uh, you know, 1600 plus yards average 5.3 yards per carry for his career, 10 touchdowns last year, another three touchdowns through the air. So I, I like this pick a lot. And you mentioned his athleticism. He's one of the elite athletes in this class. And the fact that you get him here, it's, it's really good value. And, you know, they didn't do the double dip at running back. But if they were going to get one on day three, one, he's one of those guys. They didn't get your guy, Roshan Johnson. Israel Abanacanda, to me, wasn't a get your one guy. I don't think he was versatile enough to do that. He doesn't have 27 career catches, right? And, and that's exactly what Brown did just last year for Illinois. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that part matters too is, is the fit and the versatility and the athleticism. It all lined up and the value. It, it lined up right here where uh, you know they were able to take him. They, they, they took Charlie Jones and Abanacanda was off the board about 10 picks later. Brown was still on the board in round five. And it's a guy that I think – they had, and maybe they valued him differently than other teams, but I think they had in that four round four range. And so the fact that he was there in round five, they felt really good about it. Yeah, you, you like the fact that he's a bell cow at Illinois. Mm-hmm. As pointed out, he handled 329 carries last year, and he's not going to be asked to do that in Cincinnati. Very likely, he's not going to be asked to be a bell cow in Cincinnati. 20 plus touches in every single game. Great speed. Breakaway speed, good one, one cut ability can stick his foot in the ground, change direction, force 83 missed tackles, according to Pro Football Focus in 2023, which was second in this draft class behind only Bijan Robinson. So the elusiveness is there. You know, he's not necessarily the, the yards after contact guy that Bijan Robinson is, the, the consistent chewing up huge chunks of yards guy that Bijan Robinson is. He's picked in the fifth round, not the top of the first round, obviously. But you get an athlete at the position who has experience as a receiver, who has experience as a pass protector, probably has a little bit of work to do in both of those areas, but at least he has a feel for it. He's not a total stranger to it which is something that we talked about when we were looking at a lot of the running backs in this class and, and the partial profiles. Chase Brown is a guy that has a more complete profile than yeah. a lot of the other guys picked at this point of the draft or later. More more complete, I would say, than Israel Abanacanda, even if you think Israel Abanacanda is a better prospect mm-hmm. in terms of the different kinds of things that he did in Illinois' offense. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And, and you know, you get him nearly around later and uh he was one of the last guys like it was it, it was getting there where it was like oh man where, where are you gonna go like who, who are you gonna get running back wise because you knew they were taking one and there was a chance that they could take two and so um i know that there were a few other guys on the radar but brown was certainly uh, a guy that was was more than than just on the radar someone that they had targeted going into day three and and so jones brown you get both of those. I mean, I mean, just think about it, how much that adds to their offense. You know, a Joe Mixon-Chase Brown combo, we don't know about Brown's pass blocking yet. We don't know about any of these rookie running backs pass blocking in the NFL. It's just how it is. But outside of that, I think he's a heck of a compliment. And if you need him to be more, you mentioned it, 329 carries. I think he can handle the load. 
elite athlete, has the weight on him despite being 5'9". Uh, I like the pick a lot. And is not, from all indications, and correct me if I'm wrong here, James, going to be asked to be the lead back. It looks like he's going to come in and be a complimentary back and be part of a complimentary running back room at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I we can have the longer discussion about Joe Mixon, but it, it, he's here, you know. Zach, Zach Taylor said, I like Joe Mixon, right? And, and but let, me, let me pull up the exact quote now. His future, his future is here with the team. I like Joe Mixon. So, by the way, the coaches, this was never a coach thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe Joe Mixon's there. Maybe he's not. Zach Taylor isn't the one making the the decisions about cap either. But coaching staff, what we had, what Brian Callahan said before the draft, finding someone to compliment Mixon. We have this now. Clearly, the coaches uh, would like to see Joe Mixon in the backfield next year, um, or this year, rather. I guess it is this year because we're in April. Up next, let's uh, let's continue the conversation. Let's talk about another weapon. Man, I love that they let me grab a hold of their draft board so we could talk about more athletes, more weapons, and punters because Jake loves punters. But today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack or maybe you're, you're trying to put on a little weight like Charlie Jones might have to at the NFL level, well, you got to get Built Bar. And the beauty of it is, it's a protein bar with low calories, low sugar. So if you're him and you need it to get the protein that you want to bulk up and to get a little thick, you can do that. But it's also healthy. Like I said, low calories. So it's going to fit your macros if you're trying to have a delicious snack covered in 100% chocolate and also try to lose weight or get in better shape. Built Bars are perfect for everyone. That's why I call them the number one protein bar on the planet because they are and they are going to fit your plan that you're looking for and you can get them right now easier than ever at your local Walmart at your local Sam's club and also every single flavor, including the specialty flavors at built.com. So make sure you check out built bars today. The number one protein bar on the planet at built.com or Sam's club and Walmart. We're going to get to Brad Robbins, the punter who has at times had an elite elite mustache grade in the facial hair grading system that we've developed here at Lockdown Bengals. There's a great picture that Blake Jewell tweeted and probably others of elite tier mustache, Brad Robbins. We'll get to that later. Let's talk about Andre Yoshivas, the Princeton wide receiver. And you, you remember when we were doing the mock draft exercise, James, on Thursday or, or whatever day that was, looking ahead and trying to give a predictive mock draft? I guess that was Wednesday. And I kept saying, well, the Bengals have had contact with this guy. And I'm probably putting too much emphasis on that. I didn't mm -hmm. put too much emphasis on it. I just picked the wrong guys they had contact with. I think they actually also met with DJ Turner. But I, I have to go listen to that interview again to verify that. But Miles Murphy had a top 30. And the coaches were running his drills at his pro day. Jordan Battle, you heard Zach Taylor mention, liked meeting they, with the combine. Yeah, they. I think they met with the, DJ Turner too. You're right. I think they, we think they met with DJ Turner as well. They had... Meetings with Chase Brown, that was referenced on the phone call to Chase Brown. We mm -hmm. know that there was a coach uh, working at Charlie Jones at his pro day, yep. and they had a top 30 and a virtual visit with Yoshivas, who also mentioned the multiple visits with the Bengals. So a lot of guys the Bengals made sure they were familiar with, which is an interesting trend. Yeah, and real quick on Jordan Battle, Darren Simmons added that, he's, that rarely are there guys that you meet at the combine and you're like, I want that guy on my team like that quick in, in a 15 minute meeting. And that was one of those guys. Bomb so 
that's kind of that, that's the impression that Jordan Battle left on the coaching staff on a guy like Darren Simmons, who's been through thousands of those at this point. I mean, he's been a special teams coordinator for a long, long time. So he's been through a lot of combine interviews. So just uh, wanted to point that out. But yeah, you're right. Andre Yoshivas is another one that was in the building and uh, for, for multiple days, according to reports. But Troy Walters took him to Roots Chris. Mm. And uh, here's what I see. 6'3", 205, 206 pounds. Uh, 205 pounds, I believe, right? And uh, four, four, three. You know the explosion, explosions there. He runs great in a straight line. I mean, even the the agility stuff was good. I mm-hmm. thought it was so all like good. that. Like you look at it, it's like okay, I don't care if you went to Princeton or not. And he was getting like third round, fourth round buzz. And I thought in a a wide receiver class that doesn't have any super high end guys. Maybe that's the case, and and I know they had a much higher grade on him than round six, so good for them that they were able to double up at receiver, get the plug-and-play guy in Charlie Jones, and then get a guy in Yoshivas who didn't run an NFL route tree at Princeton, didn't face press like he's going to in the NFL, is going to have to adjust to some stuff, but the Bengals are really excited about getting him into the building. What a freak athlete. I mean, I, I know I've said this a lot of times, but it really was a trend in this draft class. And he had an extended college career at Princeton because he redshirted and then they lost their season in the Ivy League with COVID entirely. And so he only played three years at the college level, but he comes out at 23 and a half years old. So he's a little bit older. He has a little bit of, well, maybe a good amount of development to do. But right away, one of the best athletes on the team. I mean, Jamar Chase level athleticism in Andre Yushivas. And I don't say that with embellishment, at least as far as I know, 99.6 percentile athlete, according to relative athletic score with the four, four, three, you mentioned, but also a great 10 yard split 1.5 second, 10 yard split on the 40, nearly a 40 inch vertical, 39 inch vertical, great broad jump, really good agility and doing that at six, three. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty good size for those kinds of testing numbers. So while there's some work to do, and that's probably why he was available where he was available, he went to Princeton, smart guy. Yeah. You like the possibility of the development here. And what I like about these two wide receiver picks, and I know a lot of people are going to want us here about them passing on tight end, is you look around at some of the teams that, have really good passing offenses in the league or really good offenses in general in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And the depth at wide receiver gets tested sometimes. And when you have guys that can step in and can continue to make plays for you because they're really good athletes, look at the kinds of players, the 49ers roster, the kinds of players, the chiefs roster in terms of wide receiver depth, the Bengals have the dudes at the top. Mm Mm-hmm. But getting some depth so when you lose one of those guys, you have somebody who can still scare defenses with their traits, with their tools. That's exciting to me, even if there is a little bit of development to do. And, and talking more so about Yoshivas than, than, than Jones in that regard, but it's still exciting. I looked at the relative athletic score, RAS.football, Kentley Platt, or whatever name you called him earlier, that he puts it together. There are only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys in this draft class that had a, a better score out of every position, right? And well, that's Anthony. 
I was just going to say, if you look at wide receivers historically, 14th out of 3,062 wide receivers from 1987 to 2023. And, and there was only one. Bryce Ford Wheaton was the only one in this class that had a higher relative athletic score. I'm looking here. Yeah, it was the only one. And so it, there's a lot to like because they met with him, the football character, all of those things, and he checks the athleticism boxes. And he was productive at Princeton. That's, mm-hmm. It's not like he wasn't. It's not like this guy had caught seven passes total. So is he an instant contributor? I wouldn't go that far. But he's exactly what you want in round six and exactly what you want to give to Troy Walters, an NFLer that played in the NFL, that's gotten so much out of a lot of these guys, and, and it, it should be able to do the same with, with Andre. Now, how good will he be? I don't know. But uh, he's got the skill set. And the fact that you can get him in round six, there are some drafts where you take a guy like that in round four, round round three, and, and you hope that it pays off. And so I, I think it offered pretty good value there. Absolutely a lottery ticket. And he's a little bit older coming into the, into the league, right? But sure. has all the tools you would want, in my opinion. He's incredibly athletic, body controls there. And another one where the, the drop rate is really good. So... Mm-hmm. You get another guy here where the tools are there, hands, athleticism, body control, and you just need to refine it. Sounds good to me. Another consensus win for the Bengals, by the way. Chase Brown was consensus 129, picked at 163. Yoshivas was consensus 156, picked at 206, 50 picks later, which makes out of the first six picks in this draft for the Bengals, five out of six of those consensus wins. Charlie Jones, the only exception there. And that wasn't even a significant reach, according to the consensus board. No tight end, though, James. And, and the thing that is surprising about that is drafting at the end of each round. You would mm-hmm. think that, all right, if it's a fifth-round guy, you have to take him at the end of round four. And, and so that's why they did it with Jones. They didn't think he'd be there the next round. But the fact that they only had to do that once, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Pretty, Overall, pretty good. yeah, you, you praise the process there, right? They stuck to their board. They, they drafted players where they thought they should be drafted. And as a result, they got good value with these picks, even if some of the positions were at times surprising. And it was surprising that they didn't pick a single tight end. But like last year, this is a scenario we talked about. The tight end class got picked over where the guys that were available to them at each of their picks were not guys that they felt strongly enough to use those picks on. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh... Looking at it, I, and I'm just looking at the draft now, I, I think that in a perfect world, they would have tried to get one of those those plug-and-play type tight ends that they, they would have felt really good about, you know, the Sam Laportas. Well, they had no shot at him. That was not happening. And and so then you wait, and you look at round three. There was no one really there. They were never in on Darnell Washington. Doesn't really fit what they want to do. I know people are mad about it, whatever. And there's the medical issue too, which who knows how they had him graded medically. And then after that, Zach Kuntz fell, right? Everyone was in on him. Josh Wiley, it, it just didn't line up. I, I think that's part of it. I think they were open to getting a tight end, mm-hmm. but they weren't saying we have to have this position. And I'm okay with that because I, I don't think they necessarily had to have it, and they still added weapons. They just did it in, in other areas and honestly more important important areas to me, which would be wide receiver, and, and then obviously they needed to add a running back. We knew that. And, and obviously, punter. Very important. Punter. 
It is important. You, you know, I, I don't blame them. I don't blame them because there were three guys. There were clearly three guys mm-hmm. that were draftable. Yep. And I think that the Bengals had two well ahead of the third. And that's me speculating a bit, but I, I think that that's the case. And so when, when Barringer goes off, right, or is it Barringer? I'm not sure which of those. Bryce Barringer. Either way, the Michigan State punter. When he goes off the board and you have Brad Robbins, I assume he was right behind him. Maybe Robbins was number one on their board. Who who knows? But you take him. And, and so they were able to get their guy. And I like him. I mean, he, he seems to have the direction ability to, to kick where you need to, and he gets the hang time that Darren Simmons talked about for so long with a guy like Drew Christmas was tied for the tops according to pff in 2023 and hang time in the college football ranks was a knock on bryce Beringer, who apparently worked it out we talked to joe about this Beringer apparently worked it out at the senior bowl and was crushing high hang time punts very very far at the senior bowl so it wouldn't surprise me if that was the guy they were interested in and and they couldn't quite get him at the end of the sixth round but we we, we called that when they made that trade, right? That, that, that was a punter pick. You go back to 2021 for Robbins, 4.3 second hang time average was uh, tied for second in college football. Both of those numbers better than what Drew Christman did last year. You use a six-round pick. I know it's a six-round pick, and they're going to talk about it being a competition. Brad Robbins, that elite mustache, continuing to the tradition of elite hair and facial hair in the Bengal specialist room. Yep is the favorite to be the Cincinnati Bengals punter in 2023 in, in the future. No doubt. I expect them to win the job. It's still going to be a competition, but uh, I think the Bengals got a good one. And um, it's something they had to address. And so if they felt like they were going to get drafted, and those guys clearly did, all of them got drafted, get one. And they were able to do that by trading down, worked out, and they still got their guy in Jordan Battle. And then in round seven, the – Defense. See, Lou had to say, all right, so it's three to three. In spe- one specialist, he said, nah, you ain't taking no third wide receiver. You can't have enough cornerbacks. So they went with DJ Ivy out of Miami. Uh, you have many thoughts on this? I, I think that he, there's a chance that he could compete for a back-end roster spot, practice squad spot, something like that. I think that's, that's kind of what you're looking at with DJ Ivy. Yeah, not a guy that I know a whole lot about. Uh, looks like most people that had him graded had him in the undrafted free agent range and which is wondering... fine which is fine at pick 246 because that's what you're picking from you're you're probably picking yeah. a guy that that uh you want to sign as an undrafted free agent but you also know that he may may have some other suitors so you're like let's just let's just get him scooped up now and and of course they're getting to work on the undrafted free agent class and we'll we'll hopefully have some names to talk to you about tomorrow there i've seen a couple we're not going to get into those today when we have a full list hopefully tomorrow we might not even have it tomorrow we'll get into that but you know moro ojomo consensus late fourth rounder i think mid fourth rounder doesn't go until a couple picks later toward the end of the seventh round that was the name that was the most surprising fall to me as day three Went on and on. The Bengals don't pull the trigger there. Andre Carter, Ivan Pace, Eli X, Eli Ricks, Rejon Wright, Lonnie Phelps, a couple guys like Keaton Mitchell, some guys that we thought they might draft. Uh, they, they don't go with any of those options. So we'll see what happens in undrafted free agency. We know that 
At the time of this recording, Keaton Mitchell has not signed with the Bengals. He went to the Baltimore Ravens, so it won't be Mitchell. But the Bengals go with Ivy, and we'll we'll learn some more about him. I think, though, looking at this class on the whole, my, my quick they, thought is... They, they added Calvin Tyler, Utah State running back. Okay. Not so, a guy just that, because I didn't want people to crush you about uh, running back. So there you go. Tyler was his last name? Calvin Tyler, yes. He is not... In our sheet, as far as I know. Regardless of that, my, my quick closing thoughts, you know, we talked a lot about some themes here, depth, 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 depth throughout this draft, athleticism throughout this draft, character throughout this draft, players the Bengals met with throughout this draft. So those are the big trends that stand out to me. And they don't start dipping into the older part of this draft class until day three, which I, I think is also similar to what they did last year. So some trends emerging in the last couple of years here as the Zach Taylor regime settles into putting in their draft classes for the Bengals. And we'll get into some more thoughts about this draft class on the whole. We'll give it some some grades We'll dive into some of those themes in a broader picture. Talk about what some of these picks tell us about the future for the Bengals. Zach Taylor had a very interesting comment about Jonah Williams that we didn't get to in this episode as well. And the Bengals obviously did not draft an offensive tackle. So we'll have to talk about that tomorrow as well, James, as we wrap up day three of the 2023 NFL draft. We put it behind us. We look ahead to the future of the Cincinnati Bengals in the next football season, rookie camp, off-season program, all that good stuff coming up in the near future as well. So it's been a fun one, this draft process. We'll talk to you next time as we take a look back and take a look forward at the draft overall and how it fits. Until then, thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one.